This is the Young Farmers Podcast. I'm Jessica Manley here with the National Young Farmers Coalition, and today we're coming to you with a special episode from our Hoosier Young Farmers chapter. The Hoosier chapter just released their own podcast series, which shares the voices of farmers from across the state, farmers you might not picture when you think of the farmers of Indiana. This episode features stories about the challenge of acquiring affordable, quality land for farming and some of the creative ways these farmers have managed to get on the land. You can listen to the rest of the Hoosier Young Farmer podcast on their website at hoosieryfc.org stories. Land access is the number one challenge young farmers across the country report in growing food for their communities and starting farm businesses. To address this barrier, Young Farmers just launched the One Million Acres for the Future campaign. We're calling on Congress to invest $2.5 billion in the 2023 Farm Bill to facilitate equitable access to one million acres of land for the next generation of farmers. As part of this campaign, we created the Land Advocacy Fellowship, a two-year paid advocacy and leadership fellowship that will resource 100 young farmers, growers, and land stewards to advocate for equitable land policy. Applications are open now through January 15th. To learn more about the campaign and to apply for the fellowship, visit youngfarmers.org slash one million acres. And to become a part of the National Young Farmers Coalition, join us at youngfarmers.org slash join. Now here's our show. Are you ready? Uh, I am. I think that's your line. (laughs) <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. I think you could probably just go ahead with the hello okay. part. <laughs> okay. All right. Hello, hello, everyone. Liz Brownlee here. I own and run Nightfall Farm in Crothersville, Indiana with my husband, Nate. I'm also the president of the Hoosier Young Farmers Coalition. And I'm really excited to be here at Mavernine Farm outside of Bloomington, Indiana. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. And this is Alex Chambers. He's producing this podcast. Yes, hello. Uh, Welcome to the Hoosier Young Farmer podcast. Our goal is to bring you voices of farmers here in Indiana, farmers you probably haven't heard of, farmers you might not picture when you picture farmers in Indiana. Right. Like, who do you picture? Oh, let me give you the highlight reel. So I picture Anne, a 30-something woman. She's a first-generation farmer, and she's building a thriving veggie operation, plus creating a food hub that helps other farmers distribute their food and sell more local food. I picture Frida. She's a former nurse and now an urban farmer up in Gary, and she's raising veggies and goats and honeybees in her community and for her community. I picture Genesis and Eli delivering their organic veggies uh, every Wednesday, year-round, 20 different restaurants every Wednesday. It's pretty remarkable. And that sort of like highlight reel makes me happy and keeps me going on a hard day. And I guess that's the beauty of the project, actually, is that the whole goal here is to kind of break that like sepia tone stereotype of who a farmer is in Indiana. Like when people picture a farmer here, they picture like an older white guy in plaid on his combine in a cornfield, you know? And um, with this podcast, we get a picture or you get to capture a full color updated narrative about farming in Indiana and, and try to amplify the voices of underrepresented farmers like women and BIPOC farmers and beginning farmers and first generation farmers. And we're going to talk about big issues, but mostly we're going to uh, shut up and hear from the farmers themselves. And uh, I think that's good. You can see I get a little excited about all of this. Yeah, I was really impressed with the voices the team managed to collect, um, just like from all over the state. Right. And so every episode will have sort of a handful of those voices talking about something that's important to Indiana's farmers, um, like this episode, which is all about land acquisition. The 
key with land access is that it's a big deal for farmers. Finding your farmland, especially for folks in their first 10 years of farming, just getting started is tough. You know, the average American farmer is male, he's white, and he's 59 and a half years old-ish. And so he's thinking about retiring. And in the next nine years, something like 400,000 acres of land are going to change hands as that whole generation of farmers um, retires. And so 400,000 acres, picture that. That is Texas, California, and Montana combined. That's a lot of land. And so it could be this really big opportunity for changing how we care for the land in this country, how we feed our communities, who gets to own land and who gets to build wealth. But at the same time, a lot of that farmland will probably be developed and a lot of it will be consolidated into bigger and bigger farms. So for folks farming on a small scale like I do um, or in urban spaces, land access is actually like the number one hurdle Mm -hmm. all across the country and here in Indiana. Okay, so uh, I'm going to duck out now so we can hear from the farmers themselves. You know, we started looking and we could not find anything. We kept on finding farms that were needed so much work that they wanted um, extreme amount of money for that we had finally just gave up. And John told me to quit looking. He's like, <laughs> you're done. Stop. Yeah, you're looking for that diamond in the rough for sure. And we just couldn't find anything that um, was even remotely affordable. <laughs> um, so even, even you know, like uh, renting an apartment seemed kind of out of the realm of possibility for us. And so uh, we just began to expand our, our search and we were expanding and expanding and expanding and we ended up in Deputy, Indiana, which is about an hour outside of Louisville. Pastor Curtis Whitaker of Progressive Community Church had a vision of state CDC. And he wanted to do a community development corporation based around agriculture and healthy eating and learning and education and all like uh, along those things. So the way it became about the city of Gary, he asked the city of Gary for some land that was just sitting there. No one was using this next to the church. No one was using this land. Nobody was on the land. It was just old abandoned houses. You know, we we rented for several years. And then we finally bought a house and it was on five acres. And we're like, we made it. We've got five acres, this beautiful house. Um, You know, we had, what, two sows and a boar and we do a couple dozen pigs. And then we quickly learned that, okay, we've, we've reached our limits on this land. I actually, in 2016... I wrote to Monarch Beverage. Um, I said, you guys have um, 25 liquor stores in this neighborhood that you service. And there are three grocery stores. The three main grocery stores in our neighborhood are along Pendleton Pike. There is no bus that goes down Pendleton Pike. So we're talking about a low-income neighborhood with low access to food, little to no access to transportation, and no grocery stores. When I reached out to them, my proposal was that 
people can get to beer and alcohol quicker than they can get to anything fresh. And you guys are servicing all these liquor stores, but you have all of this land here right in the middle of this neighborhood that you're just cutting once a month and you're not doing anything with it. Let's put a garden here that will grow food for the pantries. I was doing some um, urban agriculture in Cincinnati for about six years and had a pretty thriving CSA going um, in my neighborhood. My husband and I began to talk about uh, the possibilities of moving to a place where we had some land. And so he uh, is the most, well, we're both mobile as far as the, our jobs are concerned. So he found a job in Louisville and we began to search for a place to live. When we moved here to Indiana, we had plans on going back to Southern Illinois. We were not going to stay here at all. But about a year into it, we realized how much we really did like this area and that we would like to make this area our home. And several, probably about two or three years after that, we started looking actively at larger tracts of land because we were sitting on seven acres and just didn't have the opportunity for any growth. You know, when you're able to only cut hay or graze goats, you really didn't have a choice of growing anywhere. So we couldn't afford more land than what we had in Iowa. Um, and there we had three and a half acres and we couldn't afford more than that there. And that's kind of goes to why we bought the, the farm we did is um, tillable land is much more expensive than non-tillable land, uh, especially in Iowa, but even so in Indiana. And so, you know, to buy 30 acres of tillable land in Indiana would have been way out of our price range. Um, and that's the, that's the dilemma. You know, do you take out a couple million dollar loan to, to buy that? <laughs> we, we decided not to. Everywhere we looked was the price of land was just really uh, out of our reach, you know, um, and we both work full time um, and we both actually have part time jobs on top of our full time jobs as well. And so uh, we were really surprised that it was so difficult to get a couple of acres. Um, we figured it wouldn't be so hard. Um, and. Then once we found a place that we liked and we could afford, then we ran into some issues with financing because um, a traditional we couldn't get a traditional mortgage for the farm. Um, and then that when we were told to go to the FSA, the FSA um, play, well, we were told to go to a banks that give farm loans. And so um, the farm loan people said that we couldn't get farm loans because we didn't have any um, agricultural collateral. So, because um, we came from the city. It took a couple of years for them to okay it. But when they did okay, they, they donated the land to us. So the, the, where the farm is was actually, the, the uh, we have about an acre. It's not a very big farm. We have a little bit over an acre of land there. Where the farm is where, was actually houses, blighted, abandoned houses. They tore it down for us. The city actually tore it down for us, and then they cultivated the land. Um, they came out and they just cultivated and put the sand down and everything just so that we could grow on that line. 
We started renting a house and it was a couple of acres and we asked the landlord if he'd let us use it because he wasn't using it. And he said, sure, go ahead and, you know, train me for some chickens. So that's what we did. You know, that's how we bartered. And then um, we found the five acres and that was much more attainable, five acres in a little house. We had a budget and we knew we needed to stick within that and we needed, you know, these qualities in it. Um, and the property we found had been on the market for 26 days (laughs) and, uh, we were driving from Iowa to come and look at it. So we came and look at it and then we came back and looked at it and then we said, okay, let's put in an offer. I just happened to be online one morning and something popped on the screen and I seen this farm, I called the lady and she ended up being the granddaughter of the original owners of this farm. And she's like, oh, I'll have my dad meet you out there. So John was working second shift and I woke him up about two hours before he was supposed to get up that day. And I'm like, John, you got to get up. I'll, I'll buy you a Mountain Dew on the way to where we're going. I got a surprise. And he knew what was up. I mean, he, he knew full and well what I probably was doing and we pulled up on the farm and you know we both knew when we were here that this was something we were very interested in we were very very lucky (laughs) it was at the max of our budget and we were okay with that though because it provided us with such wonderful opportunities that it was really hard for us to be like no, you know, we've already compromised on quite a bit. I mean, like I said, I, I only have, you know, two and a half acres of, of tillable. So um, that was something that, you know, we were like, okay, this, this is what we're going to work with and we're going to do what we got to do and we're rolling with it. And we did so much on that five acres. Um, I mean, if you are really careful with your grazing methods and, and, how many animals you're putting on your land, you can actually do quite a bit on five acres. We have 7.6 acres in the middle of the city. Yeah, we're right at 46th and Post Road. And it's it's a high urban area, (laughs) to Mm -hmm. say the least. Uh, But land in this area, it was... It was either high or it was, you know, vacant land with no structures, no home on it. So we were, we sort of needed a place that we could just move right into and start something up immediately. And this fit that bill. Yeah, we actually were homeless for a couple of weeks in the transition um, because we <laughs> we didn't think our house would sell really fast and it sold immediately. Um, and so then we were kind of like just trying to find something and trying to find something. And when the financing fell through and when the loan officer was asking me if I had tractors or, you know, like just something... I, you know, I joked and I was like, I have like 30 menopausal hens, you know, what's that going to get me? She did not think that was funny. So, you know, it was, it was really touch and go there for a while. Actually, my in-laws, they lived on 20 acres in Rushville and they wanted to be closer to their grandkids. And so we talked about, you know, what if we go in together, we can get a bigger chunk of land and we could live on the same piece of property. So, you know, you could be close to your grandkids. We can help you out. It's kind of a win-win for everybody. And after many years of searching, we found this beautiful place and it's absolutely perfect. And then, you know, once we finally did get the farm, 
it was, you know, more uphill battles with um, dealing with the soil and just trying to uh, begin amending it, really, especially with no tractor. We don't have any tractor. <laughs> we have nothing, you know. Oh, I was just going to say, I think one of the biggest things that has us going in the, this direction where our farm's not viable for itself financially is because we had to come in and buy a farm. I mean, we didn't have anything to step into. It was us working for it. So we just had to start from the ground up. And luckily we found an awesome place. It's a very, very old farm, but the infrastructure needs a lot of work. You know, we're always working on fence. We just got done running 1700 foot of fence in December. So the the work that's to be done and then also just the equipment that and we're realizing. That my tractors need. are from the 60s. I have I have some from the 50s. I mean, the tractors are very outdated and equipment's always needing worked on or something. But fortunately, I know how to work on that stuff. So that helps also. Uh, another aspect of it was um, we have no intention of having employees. So, you know, buying 20 acres of tillable land, we, we would never be able to work all that ourselves. Um, so The way we want to work right. it, yes. Because <laughs> we, we enjoy having, you know, as, um, as little impact on our land as possible in doing our farming endeavors. So, um, you know, we're not out here running a tiller um, to, to make, you know, product every few weeks. We bought the farm from two brothers. And the one brother is in his 80s now, and he still comes here to the farm, uh, brings his dog, and runs, you know, will stay here on the porch and talk with us or go out and do stuff with us on the farm. But he always tells the story that his dad would say that this farm, the soil on this farm was so poor that a rabbit had to pack its lunch to get across. We were just happened to be fortunate enough to get this 150 acres and I'll never leave. <laughs> Um, but we're, we're growing a lot of good stuff in the hood. Yeah. Those are all things that, that work for us. Um, and that's why we have the land access story that we have. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it, folks. This is the Hoosier Young Farmers podcast brought to you with support from Indiana Humanities, the Hoosier Young Farmers Coalition, and the National Young Farmers Coalition. To learn more about how we're updating the narrative on food and farming here in Indiana, you can go to hoosieryfc.org backslash stories. Thanks to the farmers who lent their voices to this episode. That's Megan Ayers, Frida Graves, Nikki Keaton, Sharana Moore, Armanda and Ben Riggs, and Mardine and John Roach. Thanks to Andrew Raridan and Jessica Murnane for coordinating these interviews, and Andrew Raridan again, and Rachel Brandenburg for conducting the interviews. Our theme music is from Amy O, and we have additional music from Ramon Monrasender. Our host, Liz Brownlee, got this project off the ground, and it was produced by me, Alex Chambers. Thanks for listening. <laughs>